Welcome to Inside the Agency. I'm your host, Michelle Govan. I'm your co-host, Nicole Shawcross. It's very good to be here. Nicole, it's nice to meet you officially. Yes, nice to see you in person via Zoom. (laughs) Yes, via Zoom. That's like as in person as it gets these days. Exactly. And Michelle, we we go way back, you and I. Way back, a whole month, right? (laughs) When I was on your podcast. Yes, yeah. I know, it's been an interesting... uh, We've done a lot since then. Group of events. (laughs) I know, it's been bizarre. Well, we wanted to chat to you today because you are a successful actor. You have branched out with other amazing opportunities from being an actor. And we just kind of want to dive in and and take it from there. Yeah. Well, thank you for uh, calling me a successful actor. You know, some days you (laughs) feel like it, some days you don't. And uh, yeah, I've definitely, you know, definitely branched out in the last couple of years. Uh, It's been, it's been interesting to see what's happened in the last like three ish years. Um, really since I started my podcast, but I'll, I'll wait till you guys ask some questions. I don't have to ramble on as I normally do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I remember you from the days of Scandal and Sopranos. So to see your face and us chatting not too long about my past and how I've achieved my agency and now branching into a podcast, I think it's been kind of a cool, like I said, group of events, but, you know, kind of want to dive in about, you know, your experience as an actor. Yeah. Just- well, really, I, um, you, know, you know, I kind of now I think of it like I was one of the lucky people who found his passion early on. But at the time, it really wasn't that early on. It was I was like 19 years old and I had never I, no, no, I was 20 and I had never acted. I was I was at Boston College. Um, so I grew up outside of New York City, like uh, Westchester County, but kind of in the woods, not like when people hear New York, they think I was from the city. It wasn't. Uh, went to Boston College. I was playing lacrosse there. And um, I, my junior year, I decided to stop playing. Uh, I wasn't on scholarship, but it was D1. And so it was a big time commitment. And when I stopped playing, I decided to go out for a play, which was like, people were kind of shocked. It was like, I couldn't have been any further on the other end of the spectrum at school from lacrosse to theater, but something in me, you know, really wanted to do it. And I did this little one act play. It wasn't even in the real Rob Sham theater at BC. It was, um, it was in a lecture hall. So it was like a two night performance. Um, it was called Hello Out There by William Saroyan. And I played a guy who wakes up in a jail cell. And it's basically me and this girl who uh, kind of have a lot of uh, back and forth. And, and I did it and I just loved it. I loved the cast. I loved the whole thing. And I, I just started telling everybody I was going to be an actor. And that was it. I was, a, I was an English major. I ended up taking a bunch of film studies classes, got a film studies minor. Um, and then I, uh, when I graduated BC, I, I moved back home. I worked to make some money that summer. I worked for a Mason laying patios. And then I did a musical in Wilton, Connecticut. 
the mystery of Edwin Drood and had to you know, have a British accent and, and sing and, and like interact with the crowd. I and need that to was see fun. this. <laughs> there actually is there actually is videotape of it and I just had it digitized so that that could be done but Good it would not, be, would not be for public consumption I don't think um no. but it was fun again that was another one it was like I had a great time doing it um and did your parents and, think you were crazy like here you are at school doing lacrosse and all of a sudden you're like by the way I'm gonna get into the arts just no, what every well, parent yeah, wants to hear yeah you know at the time it seemed like it was completely out of left field but in retrospect it, it makes a lot more sense so kind of the catalyst was in school prior to junior year I went to Italy to study abroad. And most people go abroad the spring of junior year. I didn't want to miss a lacrosse season. So I went between sophomore and junior year. Was going out with a girl. We broke up when I was in Italy. That caused a lot of soul searching. My sister had given me a journal to take. That was like, I poured everything into this journal. And that was really the trip. Like in that journal are the first seeds of me saying, maybe I want to be a writer. Maybe I want to be an actor. Um, but I was kind of also freaking out about that because it seemed like it was out of left field. Um, in retrospect, I played a little piano growing up and could sing a little bit, not like a, you know, I'm a bit of a hack, but I can kind of BS my way through things. And then a little bit of guitar. I started in, in college. So there was, there was something to me. I did a creative writing class in in high school. I took an O'Neill class in high school, which they had these elective classes. And I remember, you know, now looking back, I go, Oh yeah. I remember reading long day's journey into night in this, in an English class, you know, in like, like I think junior or senior year of high school and feeling like, wow, this, this guy O'Neill really captures a family like he really if you look at that play it's so amazing and and I think I recognized it even way back then was he gives you this family and you identify with one of the characters and then it kind of shifts perspectives and you end up getting everybody's perspective by the end of that play and you really see them come together and I I was blown away by that but it but it didn't really like the dime didn't drop at all. Mm-hmm. Now I look back and I go, oh, okay, that makes sense. It was all, it was all leading up to this. Yeah, yeah. But I'm also lucky because my parents were pretty supportive. They just said like, they knew I was a hustler. They knew I, I was a pretty good student. So they were like, we support you, you know, uh, philosophically, just not financially. Like you're on, you're on your own. <laughs> so, so basically I was like, I, I worked for this Mason. I made some money. I did that play. I met a girl in the, play in Connecticut that got me uh, like an interview at a, at a place in Connecticut, um, waiting tables, uh, sunrise pizza. I had never waited tables before I had bartended in college, but I had never waited tables. So I learned to do that. Then I started taking classes in New York city, like two nights a week. I would take a train down, take these mm-hmm. classes, come back up, made enough money that that January 1st of 1995, I moved into the city. And, and then I got, um, you, you left know, the trees, the trees I behind. Left, I left the trees. <laughs> and, For giant ready hit the, yeah. Ready to hit the pavement. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it, it's funny. Like the, the, the thing that I learned and I, and it actually translates to actors, I think is when I was at, when I was in college, 
I'd be at a party and I would do something, you know, some kind of jackassery that would just be to get people to laugh. And at that time, it was like, you're just a jackass. Then I told people I was going to be an actor and I would do something and they'd like, they'd say like, oh, you're such an actor. And I was like, <laughs> that's so weird. I'm the same guy. And now everything I do, you're saying you're such an actor. And I think it's the same way in our industry where you do something, everybody wants to just put you in the smallest box that they can put you into to make it easy to deal with you. So yes. that's kind of what we're all up against as actors. It's like you, you come out into the world of acting and they see you this one way and then you spend a lot of time, you go, okay, cool, I'll do that because I'm getting cast and I'm getting miles on the road. But then I know that I can and want to do some other things too. So you kind of have to like, my analogy is it's like, it's like you jab with the stuff that they're going to see you for jab, mm -hmm. jab, jab, jab. And then you give them a left hook or like an uppercut with the stuff that you want to do that they don't know you have inside you. And we that's do kind this, of, we talk about this all the time when we meet clients and they want to stretch their abilities. They want to show their levels. I'm like, wait, you're brand new. Let's just pick something. You look like firefighter, cop, you know, that kind of look. Let's put you in those kind of roles and then let's turn you into a mass murderer. I mean, I would rather have a nicer title right now, but you know what I mean? Yeah. With grit and, and levels and maybe, you know, expand as soon as casting is comfortable with you. You brought up a point though that I want to bring back to actually agents. You said that actors are treated like in a box. Let's put them in a box, put them in a small box. I have to tell you, I've been an agent now for 24 years. And when I work with American agents and managers, occasionally I get told as, oh, she's just the Canadian agent. She's just the Canadian. I have to tell you and the rest of the world, I'm not just a fucking Canadian. I'm ballsy as fuck. Yeah. So I'm just, I'm sorry, I had to say that. When you did that, you mentioned that, it triggered something in me. If I am, It's interesting that we are all treated like, oh, you can only do this. But let me show you what I really can do. But you know what I've learned? And you're kind of, to your point, I've learned this as I've gotten older, is as the actor, we think everybody's against us. We're like, oh, it's a, oh, that, that fucking agent. Oh, that fucking producer. They don't get me. They don't get my artistry. Then you get older and you meet, you know, your friends with agents or producers, producers <laughs> or casting directors. And you realize like, as my friend and I would say, everybody's in their own boat and they're all just trying to get water out of their own boat. They're not, it's not that they're against you. They don't even care about you. They're just trying to get water out of their own boat and, and it affects you sometimes. And it is what it is. Like it's, it's not personal. They're just when trying to doesn't, Yeah. They're just trying to, they're trying to do their thing. And sometimes that works out for you. And sometimes it doesn't. And sometimes when you think it didn't work out for you because you didn't get the job. You find out that that job was actually horrible. And like, so actually it did work for you because you didn't <laughs> it did work out you know, yeah. and, and vice versa. Sometimes you think, Oh, I got the job and you know, it's terrible. And you're like, Oh, it would have been better if I wasn't cast. But so, so, you, you know, it's just, I, I think there's like, there's less, I would still say I have a lot of fire in me, but it's not, I'm not so angry toward, I think I had more of a chip on my shoulder before thinking like, oh, they, they don't think I can do this. And sometimes, you know, have you, have you guys seen this, The Last Dance, the Michael Jordan? Yes, the, the I've been thing? 
I binged the crap out of it so fast. Yeah. I kind of binged the beginning and I was on pause. And then I, in the last night, I, I watched like three more. So I'm like on episode eight out of 10. One thing that he does, and I've spoken to a lot of people about this, and I think I do it and a lot of people do it. Jordan just does it better than the rest of us. He will make up stories in his head to get him fired up. And I will definitely do that too. It's like a create a narrative. Up. Like if you, if yeah, yeah if, if sometimes that energy of the sometimes anger is easier to go to. Like when somebody doubts you, and you're just like, oh, you don't think I can do that? Okay, cool, cool. Keep thinking that, and then you just you just you know want to just burrow it into their forehead that you can, you know what I mean? But you know what? I always think you can also use it as positive motivation. Like you just said, yeah, a hundred percent. You can, instead of, if someone says, Hey, if you left a room and felt that they didn't see what you could do or, or give enough, you take that energy and go, I'm going to prove myself. I'm going to prove how good I am, but try not to treat it as like, well, you don't know how good I am too bad for you. I think there's, you know, you can read into both ways and I think it's better to look at the positive and just use it as like you said, motivation to like, Right. I mean, and sometimes it's what's worse. The worst feeling is like they give you a shot. You, you actually have it and you feel like you're like, was I really that good? Like I wasn't, that good. <laughs> you know, like when you have that feeling of like, I didn't really fully knock it out of the park. And then that's more like that. That's like, there's nobody, there's nobody to blame, you know, or it's just, you're just like, Oh God, I wish I was better. You know, there are times when you, you, you watch like a Meryl Streep, you watch like a Christian Bale and you're like, God, they're good. <laughs> you know, you're just like, man, they're, yeah. you know. Um, Daniel Day-Lewis has always been a favorite. Oh, Daniel Day-Lewis, ridiculous. So method, but any role he's ever done, I'm just bracing myself to watch the movie before I yeah. go because I know I'm not going to get disappointed. Yeah. There are those yeah. true actors. That but I bet you they dealt themselves too. Yeah. I mean, everybody, everybody kind of that, that's one thing. This is a, like a poor segue to the podcast. So I don't, not like I'm going to talk about it, but we're going to talk on, about it on my <laughs> podcast, 10,000 knows where I, I interview all these people like from pro athletes to, you know, actors, writers, directors, producers, entrepreneurs, you know, cancer survivors, whatever Me. you, you, <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't want, I was trying to like not say, I don't know. If I, oh, we're here to, to have fun. Yeah. So, um, no, but you, but what you realize is that everybody that you interview, everybody that you sit down with, I think everybody in the world, regardless of how many accolades they have, they all have still probably, and, and definitely have had days of self-doubt. And as, as you go along, maybe there are less, I don't even know if I, think that because people that I've sat down with and I go, God, like they've done this, you know, they, they've just endless amount of accomplishments on a high, high level. And you talk to them and you realize, you know, same kind of demons and doubts and all of that. And I think that the job for all of us is, is really like, how do you combat that so that you know, you're going to have bad days. You're going to have maybe bad weeks, maybe bad months. I mean, my, my thing is like, hopefully the, the dips are shorter now than they used to be because I've learned mm -hmm. these tools of like how to kind of bounce back. But sometimes life wallops you and you just, you know, it's rough for a little bit. And then you got to get back up on your feet and, and keep going. You got to you know? adapt and you got to grow. Yeah. I was at a couple Academy events last summer and uh, met with an lead actor of the bodyguard, not mentioning names, 
also from Game of Thrones. Uh, and uh, also a couple leads from Ozark. And both times I walked up to these now off the Ozark cast, this beautiful woman who's now won an award, not saying anything, Julia. Anyways, uh, I walked up to both of these actors at different events and said, I just want to say your choices are spectacular. I'm watching you. I know you have a very long career. And both times I had a shocked face, a true thank you. That means so much to me. I sometimes doubt what I'm delivering and you just want to hug them and go, you are the cream of the crop. Like don't doubt your skill. So just like you said, it's, it's amazing. And, and that's why I love your podcast. I love what you, you address is that question when you hear no, what does it mean? Yeah. You know, how did you come up with the idea to start the podcast? So uh, let's see. Originally the way that title came about was um, way before I even knew what a podcast was. A friend of mine who's an actor, his parents were visiting from the East Coast and and his dad was just like, uh, how's it going? You know, how's it going with acting? I was like, good, good. You know, I said, I'm starting to get asked to go speak to these um, like uh, master's programs, like an MFA program in LA. They're, they're just getting done and they're going out to be like working actors. So I come in and talk to them for a little bit about like what to expect. And I said, I've started telling them that I'm told no for a living. And, and they usually kind of laugh when I first say it. And then, and then I start telling some stories and they're like, Oh God. And I'm like, yeah, it's, you know, you're, you're kind of coming out of the the frying pan and into the fire. And he's like, how many no's have you heard? And I was like, well, it's uh, five work days in a week, 52 weeks in a year. Uh, you know, at that time, I don't know how many years it was. I was like, I had just read, read Malcolm Gladwell, um, outliers. And he talks about the 10,000 hours theory. And I was like, I don't know, 10,000 knows. I just totally off the cuff said that. And then, and then jokingly said, that'll be my bio someday. 10,000 knows the Matthew Del Negro story. And I literally have a book coming out this fall, 10,000 knows by Wiley publishers, which kind of came from the podcast. So, So thank you. So that was, that that idea was always, I think the gist of it was like throughout my life, I've always just gotten into pretty heavy, deep, long conversations with people. And I have, I feel like I've had a lot of people in my life that are pretty successful at what they do, but none of them do what I do. And, and they all would trust me because I didn't really, I've never had ulterior motives. When I ask questions, I'm actually just kind of curious. So when I, I I was doing voiceovers and this guy that owned the the voice house in Santa Monica was like, you know, do you listen to podcasts? This is, I don't, this is like 2015. And I was like, what's a podcast? And he (laughs) turned me on to WTF, the Mark Maron podcast. And I listened to him interview Paul Thomas Anderson. And it was like a two or two and a half hour conversation. And they like, I mean, they really talked. It was not like a bullshit little like soundbite that he was promoting something. He was talking about a film that was coming out. So they did get into that, but they also talked about filmmaking in general. They went like, they talked about the novel that it, I think it was Inherent Vice. And they talked about the novel that it was based on. They went really deep. And I just thought, this is pretty cool medium. Like I feel like a fly on the wall listening to this conversation. This is awesome. And and then I started listening and then a buddy of mine had one and I started listening to his. And then I started saying like, hmm, maybe I should do this. 
And then of course it took like another six months before I actually pulled the trigger, but then, and, you know, I did it kind of entered it like a blind man stumbling in the dark. I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> I really didn't. I, do I just, that was me starting as an agent. I'm like, I think I can do this job. Started picking yeah. up a production list, just started calling random productions. No idea what to do. It was crazy. Yeah. But, but it also, it kind of came, you know, the same way your agency started. Cause you told me that story, how it, it came out of this very, really rough time, rough time. So yeah. mine came out of, I think it, it was 20, it was 2017 and I had been working on scandal and I had done, I think a couple of seasons, but I was just recurring. So I wasn't, I wasn't contracted with them. Mm-hmm. And before that season, they were like, you know, Shonda wants to use you a lot and it's They're doing 16 episodes. Carrie is having a baby. So we're going to break for that. And then, but then you're going to come back. And I was like, okay, cool. I, I moved to where we currently live. Um, like expenses went up and all of a sudden, I don't know if it was because Trump was elected and it was a political show. I don't know if I, I really don't know to this day what happened, but somehow I did not do 16 episodes. I did like three episodes. So I was totally without work. That was the year. It was the hashtag Oscar. So white, which is good for the world for diversity, not good for Matt Del Negro. And I just basically pilot season went like went in rooms and felt really good and got nothing. And I was like, you can't really complain about it. That's the point. Like that I've been privileged for so long. So it's like, it was what it was, but all of a sudden I was like, shit, what do I do? And I started to get mad at the fact that I had to wait to be hired to have any kind of like artistic expression. And so I was like, I'm going to build my own thing. Even if it's like the tiniest little wagon wheel and I'm at the hub, I'm at the hub. And that's what I wanted. So I, control. Yeah. yeah. So that's what I did. And I, and it like, it started out, you know, pretty kind of, like I said, a little bit of a bonehead. I just like did it. It was like, a, it was a fully just following my inspiration and like doing it for myself. And then it's evolved into something. It was like you were college still performing for people. Yeah. Before no, you I, were the actor. Yeah. Jackass yeah. actor, podcast, yeah. jackass. We can add them together. Yeah. Teasing. <laughs> I, can't, I can't take the jackass part. That's the problem. No. So, so it was, so yeah, it, it, it has been like, what's interesting about it. The last, that was 2017. The last three years, I think have been the best of my career. And I've done a bunch of other things. And I kind of feel like the, the podcast saved me because I was starting to get squashed by the business. Like I was working, but I wasn't like, even on Scandal at that point, my first season with them, there was a lot of challenging stuff to do. But by that that last season, I was like coming into scenes where Jeff Perry had the scene and I'm coming in and like shaking someone's hand and having like a little small talk and that was it. So it was cool and I was grateful to have a job, but it wasn't at that It didn't feed your soul. It wasn't feeding my soul at that point. And then the podcast- you know, fed my soul, totally inspired me to sit down with people like yourself and, and, and kind of pick their brain on how they've done it, even if they're not in my field. And, and it's just opened me up completely. I feel like I'm, you know, I feel like I'm an entrepreneur now and I, I don't think I was before, but I, 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 I was maybe with my, 
my own career, but now I'm actually involved in a couple of different things. And I think that's because mm-hmm. I sat down with so many entrepreneurs and I was like, oh, that's all you do, you know? <laughs> well, you sat down with success stories. Yeah. Um, so yeah. that constant drill of perseverance, positivity, inspiration. That's, yeah. That's yeah. got to lift you, your spirits and inspire yeah. to create. So this is why we're doing the podcast. We got yeah. trapped inside for months and we couldn't do our job. And I started doing those Zooms and then I met Ayla who connected me to you. And then we yeah. did your podcast. And it, again, these things happen. Sometimes even the hardest times in life, we grow. And when we grow, we stumble into something that turns into something better than we could ever imagine and actually better than what we were living before. Totally. Oh. I, that, that was like when I met you, that was, you know, I was on a, I, well, I am on a show, but it's paused. You know, we were uh, in the third episode shooting in New York. All this happened. And March 13th, I got sent home and I was like, okay, I don't know when I'm going to go back to work. Now I've found out, hopefully it's September, September. Um, yeah. City on a Hill to give that a plug, uh, Kevin Bacon, uh, Showtime, Aldous Hodge. And um, love some bacon. Yeah, he's <laughs> awesome. And, um, and, and so I came back and I basically was like, well, I have this, I have this thing to work on. So I totally leaned into the podcast and I've been so busy with the podcast and now offshoots of the podcast. And, and then that will kind of get, I'll get that to a certain point where I can, you know, it, it runs a little bit on its own. And then I go back to the show and I can dive into being an actor you know, fully in the nitty gritty with that show. And now you mentioned that you're also developing some workshops for actors. Sorry. Yeah. So I'm doing a, so what happens is, I mean, this is how it, how it all grows. Like all this stuff grows when you make a decision, when you start, when I, when I started doing the podcast, a couple of things happen. One, you start to put yourself in a position where people are like coming to you, asking you questions or coming to you saying, thank you for, you know, you brought this story to me and this inspired me, or you said this or whatever it is, like you're in kind of this mentor position. So it had been happening already because I would go, like I said, go speak to students at schools. And like I, when I was in New York after Sopranos, I taught a little bit. I did like a scene study class for beginners and I did like some private coaching. But with the podcast, it's, it's, it's actually a, a function of necessity. I've gotten so many of the same questions over and over again from young actors, or I work with young actors and they ask me the same questions that I was finally like, screw it. I'm, I'm going to build something because I think there's a lot of bad advice out there for people. And I'm going to build something that I think is good advice. And I'm just going to, and so that's, that's kind of what it is. It's, it's a, I don't know if I even want to say it's the business of acting, but it's, it's kind of like, how do you set yourself up to take a, something that's just a dream or it's kind of intangible and turn it into an actual reality? Because I, I feel like I've done that now with like, you know, lacrosse, I was saying, I wasn't that good of an, act, uh, an athlete, but I, I felt like I did okay acting. I didn't know anybody. I knew one guy. I didn't know anybody. And somehow I've gotten there podcasting. I didn't know anything. And I got there. So I feel like I have some theories about like, how can you do something and make it sustainable enough that you can outlast the inevitable period of 
just like when you can't get a rest. Waiting for your next job. (laughs) And so that, and so that's what I've done. And I've realized, cause I, I coach people not often, but I I coach people and it's almost, it's, that was born out of the podcast too, where people come to me for like, it's not even, sometimes it's acting coaching, but sometimes it's like, it's like career coaching, which is, I, because I guess I'm going to call you tomorrow. Advice, Matt. But that's kind of what it is. It's like people, it, it, people, I, I just realized that I, because I'm talking to all these people in, in varied fields and because I've done it myself, I know a bunch of people, you know, successful actors. I've just seen a lot of case studies and I have like, I, I, I don't think there's any one way to do it. And I don't claim that at all. I really think everybody's got to find their own path, but there are certain tenets that follow like, you know, that this is a cliche saying, but success leaves clues. It's true. It does. It's a, and so if you look at the things that people are doing that make them or help them last long enough to get to the point where they're then, you know, being a sustainable. professional actor, sustainable. Yeah. yeah. And it's because it's because I honestly find it sad. There are a lot of truly talented people that have flamed out that I've known over the years because they didn't maybe set themselves up properly. You know, a lot of actors that we know, prime example, Mark Wahlberg, he went to producing heavy. Some actors will podcast, some actors will write. Like, I think you need a second outlet. If that first outlet isn't being fed or handled or energized, let's say, you know, you need something else. And if you're, if you instead you're waiting tables and you're getting depressed every day, that's not going to feed your soul. Like we talked about earlier, that's not going to feed your fire. It's not going to make you happy. So like you said, if you can sustain by doing something else in a creative field that still feeds you. Yeah. Although when the acting comes back, you're like, Hey, I'm good. And you're not walking that room being like, I'm holding onto this. Like it is everything. Totally. And, and that's what's happened. Like the irony is you start this thing and then it's led to now all of these other ventures. But, but I actually think it goes even beyond yes, start new things. But sometimes in the beginning, people, don't have the luxury to start like you're waiting tables just to just to you know pay the rent and you're attempting to be an actor but you're barely get maybe you don't have an agent or or you're barely getting out you're going through backstage i'm not even sure if that's i think that's still you know that was what i came up with was backstage and you're going through and submitting yourself and getting stuff you don't have time to build a podcast. You have to be in class. You have to be, you know, we talked earlier about how do you stretch? Well, you, you take the roles that stretch you when you're in class because you have the opportunity to do all these things. But one of the things I, I talk about is like, how I call it the Billy Joel piano man exercise, which is within what you're doing right now, your day job or your night job, whatever it is, your sideline gig, how do you look at that like an artist so that you're not pissed off and losing energy every time you go for a 10 hour shift. How do you do what Billy Joel did? He turned, he was, it was a money gig. He turned it into piano man. It's like his greatest hit. Mm -hmm. He looked at his life like an artist. There you go. How can you do that? Like how it's, I think so much of it is mindset. And so I'll tell people like, where are you right now? Right now, like don't change a freaking thing exactly where you are because you still have to pay your rent. How can you look at it differently so that that 
That's a lot of time, eight hours a day, waiting tables or bartending. How do you use that? So it's your acting training. I mean, like I bartended in New York forever, but- I'm just anticipating this actor to go in and do different accents between the tables and then confuse the accents. Wait, weren't you British a moment ago? Now you're saying a little Boston. Well, there is, you can do a little of that too, but I wouldn't suggest that at your place of work. I could- That'd be so fun. I would do that like at delis. Like I was working on a, you know, like if I was working on something in Boston- years ago I was, I'd go in and like order my sandwich with the Boston accent and see if they, if they, if they bought it. And, and so you could do that, but I mean like just in your place of work, how can you consciously, instead of being like, I'm stuck here, I got to do this. It's like, well, no, I mean, I was a bartender. It was like perfect. I had a cast of characters coming into the bar night after night. Luckily on the busy nights, I didn't even have, I was just making money because it was a lot of volume, Mm -hmm. but the slow nights, which were, you know, like they could be like, you know, gargling glass. I mean, they're just not exciting (laughs) at all, you know, but if you, if you kind of change your mindset, which sometimes I did more successfully than others, then somebody comes in and instead of being like bummed out, you're here with this person. And even if they're like you, you're, you're like, this person's crazy. They're coming into the bar. It's, you know, it's a slow night and they're just talk, talk, talk. But you're like, how do you see them as a, as a human? And then also how does that feed your art? If you're looking at it the right way. That's a great way to look at it. I think that's wow. great advice, even just for life. Yeah. Cause like, yeah, that's the thing. I think with COVID with the funny thing was everything got put on hold and everybody was freaking out. And I was like, um, this feels like my normal life. I'm out of work <laughs> and I'm trying to figure out how to occupy myself and like, Oh, I'll put it into the podcast. Like you learn as an actor, how to fill your time without going crazy. Like, you know, think about it. Even when you're working and you're on a set, you, you show up to work at your call time, but you're not shooting sometimes for hours. So yeah. what did you bring to prepare for the day? And then if it's like, if you don't want to over-prepare, did you bring something else? Did you bring something to read that's going to inspire you for the role? Did you bring, do you have a movie to watch? Did you, like, I would find myself always bringing, not just to jobs, but like I would find in life, like having a backpack all the time. Cause I'm like, I don't know where I'm going to get stuck. So mm-hmm. I could pull my laptop out and write. I could do, you know, it's like, it's like, uh, you know, I think there's a reason one of my favorite movies, which I will compare to like my career. I have two movies that I kind of, I think my career is is like these. One of them is Shawshank Redemption, which is a prison film. But it's like, what did he do? He's in prison trying to get to Zawantanejo. He has a plan. He's chipping away every day. Nobody really knows his plan exactly as well as he does. The whole thing is he wants to keep his hope so that the confinement of prison can't kill his spirit because if it kills his spirit he's done so right. that's one that i look at the andy dufresne and then the other is the rocky balboa which is like <laughs> which is like stay in the game long enough till you get your shot at the title you know but like keep yourself keep yourself ready you know when we talked about mindset a lot, I know on the Zooms that I was doing during the COVID lockdown, because again, you have to have purpose every day. If you wake up and you do not have purpose, you're going to have a hard day. Yeah. You also have to have a hell of a lot of faith, especially right now. You have to just trust, trust, trust. 
Yeah. And that's, and that's, you know, easier said than done at times. Like it's, there are sometimes when, yeah, like there's sometimes when it's, you know, but I'm just saying that because I tend to be, you know, much to my family's annoyance, I tend to be like, I'm always, I feel like I'm always giving like pep talks and like, I'm always giving like, oh, come on, it's okay. You know, like kind of getting people in, in minds. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. And, and sometimes you're just like, you know, all right, shut up. I just don't feel good today. It's, you know, and there are times when you, you can just kind of like, you know, you do get hit. Yeah. But whether it's like, you know, you're up for something that you don't get, it can hit you. I just think if you're, you can lay in, in the ground, you can, you can sit there because you need to lean into that sometimes. Like, it's like, you don't want to be avoiding the pain. And on the other hand, when it starts to turn into an excessive wallowing and it's really kind of preventing you from moving forward, I think you got to kind of just make a decision to, to get up and just take like, yourself out. Yeah. Even if you're slogging through it for a while and you know, you're slogging through it, you're just like, all right, I'm, I'm not making any progress today, but I'm going to take, I'm going to take these steps and, and like, nothing's really happening. I know that, but I'm going to tell myself I'm going somewhere. And then like, if you do that enough days in a row, you kind of catch it, 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 it works eventually. Yeah. There's definitely been some days where it was ice cream for dinner and wine instead of regular food and yeah. hiding under the covers. I know Nicole and I would chat and be like, what do you feel like doing today? I don't want to adult. And we just yeah. <laughs> say goodbye. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, I, same, same here. I mean, I was on a, I was on a real tear. I felt like I was like, I'm not affected by this. And then, <laughs> and then we all like to feel unaffected. Yeah. Then something hit me. And then I was like, I had a little bit of like a, you know, there was no progress for a little period of time and then, you know, kind of pick it back up. I would love some positive news. I, I, it's so hard. I mean, how funny is this yesterday? I think I'm doing everything right. You know, even getting through this lockdown and starting to film and starting to feel psyched, couldn't get into my apartment building, couldn't get into my garage, couldn't even get into the actual building. Then when I got into the building, cause someone came out, couldn't get into the elevators cause they were locked. Then I got stuck in the stairwell for 25 minutes. It's just that constant reminder of like, what yeah. are you thinking? What's going on? I swear sometimes life does this to make you really prove how much you want something. I've heard what this before. There's challenge. You have three challenges normally. How bad do you want this? Are you going to keep coming? Or are you just going to lay down? Say I give up. <laughs> yeah. And so, sometimes the laying down and giving up for a second is, is, actually, the, is actually the answer. Like, like mm -hmm. if I have something like that, which I've had, where it's like one thing happens to the next, the next, the next. And, it, and it's to a ridiculous point at a certain point, I'll just kind of laugh and, and just be like, this is, this is totally ridiculous. Like I surrender. Yeah, like, <laughs> I, I got you. I hear you. I'm, I'm good. I'm going to stop. Maybe there's some reason, like I'm supposed to shift gears in some way. And, and, you know, you walk away from something or in your case, you just, stand in the stairwell or sit in the stairwell or whatever. And very hot, and look, clammy you stairwell. Out, right? You got you out did. somehow. How'd you get out? A person opened the door. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, there was, there was, someone came down. I kept 
pinging neighbors until someone actually found me. It's just, of course, the one girl that was home just had leg surgery and couldn't walk stairs. So I was trapped in between two floors in the stairwell. So I'm like, okay, so I'm just hanging out there with my dog. But anyways, I know Nicole has a question that we love to ask. Nicole, do you want to ask about the advice? Yes. What advice would you give your younger self getting into the business? That's one of my questions. Is Um, it? um, (laughs) What is younger... Uh, what is advice? I, I would say kind of along the lines of what we've been talking about. Um, there's, it's tough because there's a, do you guys know the book, The One Thing? No. No. It's kind of all about like, you know, pick that one thing. Don't go sideways. Pick the one thing and burrow into it. And I agree. You do, You need to hit, hit, hit the same thing. Like for me, it's like, I'm an actor. I took classes. I did. I was singular in in my focus, but there were there was part of me, I think, that wanted to branch out into some other things the way I've now done that have proven to help me. And I think I was I think I was afraid to stop doing. Like I was afraid to try something else because I thought it would always take me off the trail. And I, and I think. If you know in your heart that you're doing this for life, like I always say, there's tons of other things you could do that would be easier than being an actor. But if you really are secure that this is what you're going to do and you're not going to get like those other things, they can bring you back and make you a better actor. Sometimes it's, you know, so it's, I don't know. I don't know if that's really answering your question because I'm not, I'm not, I wouldn't suggest to my younger self, like, oh, just go do whatever you want to do. It's not like, cause you do have to, you have to have a lead punch. Otherwise nobody really cares what you have to say. Like it's easier to jump into other things when you've kind of done well in one thing. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, I don't know. I just think live, maybe like live your life and let it, Show you the way. I'm really going to confuse my younger self. I don't know. I I don't know if I, I I feel like what I ended up doing, I'm kind of happy with where it it went slower than I wish it would have gone at the time. But now I'm kind of grateful that it went so slow because I have patience. You're saying basically. Maybe, maybe that would be it. If I had to boil it down to something better than what I just said, it would be something like that. Like if you, if you're really committed, you can get to, you can, you will make progress and you have to trust that you have to trust that while also paying attention to the external signs. But it's like, they don't always, they don't always come on the timeline that you want them to come on. I find they never do. No, no. I mean, I'm, yeah, everything seems to take me about a thousand times longer than I thought it was going to take. At least it's less than 10,000 no's. Yes. Yes. Thousands. Yeah. Yeah, 10,000 times more. But, but I I do think there's, there's a certain, um, yeah, there's a certain amount of faith that you have to have even, even when, when people are telling you no, they just, they don't have the answers. Like, don't give them all of the power. 
if you mm-hmm. feel it in there, you really got to feel it though. Like not, not for show, only you know the answer to this. But if you look in the mirror and you go like, I just, I, this, is, this is it. I think you got to stick to your guns. Good advice. Well, kind of like long-winded advice. <laughs> Younger self is needing a cocktail or a very strong shot tequila. <laughs> uh, and well, you mentioned that you have just finished writing a book. Yes. Um, so it's called 10,000 No's. And it's, uh, the subtitle is now How to Overcome Rejection on the Way to Your Yes. So it's kind of like, it's kind of like part memoir, part kind of like self-development. Like there's like a three top three takeaways, which is what I do on the podcast at the end of each chapter. And it deals with a lot of the same issues that we, you know, cover on the podcast, but it's a lot of stories from backed up by the guest stories a little bit, but it's also stories from my own journey and like, you know, horrible auditions, um, some good stuff, some good, you know, roles that have been really inspiring, uh, sports stories from when I was younger, um, just how I got here. Okay. Why don't we end on a last question? What has been your favorite role as an actor? Oh, so. Or most memorable. I will say this. I will say this. It's hard. It's it's hard. There have been, there have been, I've been lucky. I've had some cool ones. There's one that, that stands out for just because ironically, most of the stuff I do is, is more dramatic, but I did this comedy called huge in France for Netflix, um, mm-hmm. like two years ago or yeah, a year, year ago, I guess it came out. And, um, and I played an actor who was like down on his luck. And I just had such a blast playing this role. I thought the writing was so funny and it was also dark and it was also, it had a heart. And I loved my character. He was J- Jason Allen Ross, that's three names. And he's like, thinks he's a method actor. He's really like, he's really kind of crazy, but it was so much fun. And, and the, the writer creators, it was a team, um, Andy Mogul and Jared Paul, they, they wrote all eight episodes and directed all eight episodes. And, um, Gad Elmaleh, who's a famous comedian and famous comedian. Yeah. Um, and, um, and, uh, it, it was just, you know, Aaron, Aaron Hayes is just so funny. It was just a great cast and a really kind of, I don't know, the role let me do everything. I started one way, I go through this huge arc and I end up very different place than where I, where you think I'm going to be in the beginning. And that was fun for me. And I think it just gave me a lot to do. I felt like they really, I was, I was used up nicely. Sometimes I feel like I've had roles that are like, I'm like, oh, this, this would be a great role, but I'm not central enough oh, right. to the show. Or I'm not like, I'm not, you're not really going home with me enough. Whereas this role, I felt like I got to do a lot, you know, and I like that. I like when I'm working, I want to work. I was hard to watch a client mourn a character when the character passes or the character's cut and they've done years as a series reg or a huge reoccurring guest star arc. And I swear I've watched my clients morph into this person and this persona. And it's almost like you have to grieve and mourn the loss of that character. Well, yeah, that one was, 
it was such a bizarre job. I mean, you talk about 10,000 no's, like we came out on Netflix. I, I saw footage of it before it came out. And I said to, and like, apparently Netflix was very happy with what I did. And I was very happy. More important than anything, I saw it and I was like, I really, this, this role could maybe be good for me. And it came out and it got so much love that we were like, okay, we're definitely good. And it, and it got less than a month after it was out, we were told it wasn't getting a second season. And it was just such a shock because I had, I had writers, very successful comedy writers that live in my town coming up, like people that didn't have to come up and say anything coming up. Like it, it really had a certain, it had a certain like cult following and then it was gone. And so I just had to go wasn't meant to be. And then now I'm doing city on a hill, which is awesome and totally different, you know, way, way more just, it's a, it's a drama. It's, it's the, well, huge in France was heavy, but, th- but it was funny, you know, really funny. So. Mm-hmm. And when does the book come out? Uh, book comes out. I, I want to say October 27th, but don't hold me to that. I think it's October. Birthday's 20th. October 23rd. Really? Yep. Really? There you go. It looks like I'll be reading your book near my birthday. Well, Matt, thank you so much. Thank you for having me and congrats for having Inside the Agency. (laughs) I'm I'm like, I'm so impressed. This is so... Learning from the master. Oh, yes, yes, yes. (laughs) Uh, Thank you, guys. This is fun. 